This is another episode of Dear Analyst, and in today's episode, I am super excited and privileged to have Akash Lada, who is a director of data science at Meta. He's joining the podcast today to talk more about what he does at Meta, what the analytics and data team does at Meta, and many more topics. So Akash, thank you, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Well, yeah, thank you for the invitation, Ali. Yeah, no, it's I'm I'm super happy to be here and I'm super happy to kind of like, you know, have have more of a like data science community in the whole tech community. So awesome. Great. First off, tell us more about your background and what led you to becoming a director of data science at Meta. I've always been interested in what I would call like quantitative data science, quantitative social science. So kind of like a social science mindset around understanding understanding users and people and just how they interact and these things. And so I did my background is in a subfield of economics where I kind of like studied these phenomenon. And then I joined Facebook in 2015 and have been started managing the, the newsfield ranking data science team maybe like five, six years ago. And over the years, you know, there, there was, I also managed a couple of other um, adjacent teams such as like Reels before it became uh, became its own big team, as well as like Newsfeed Experience, like AI, modern recommender systems, like these kinds of teams. And I think <clears throat> what kind of like really unified these these teams is 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 just this like quantitative social science idea that I've always been super interested in, which is what 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 all of these teams want to work on is is essentially figuring out what's long run user value. Like what should be a product we build? What should be a new machine learning method we build? Or how should we kind of like make our infrastructure more efficient? Like all these questions to kind of like make Facebook as a product better for our users. And not just today, but like in the long run as well, right? And so this underlying question is like essentially like a lot of the problems like led up, up into this underlying question. And then as we dug deeper and deeper over the years, like one thing we realized is that like, you know, all those years of learnings is worth sharing within Facebook as well as outside or within Meta, right? But and, and outside the company as well. Um, and so, you know, we wrote up this these best practices of like as you go through this this learning of how how can you create the most long run user value to people? Like, what are the kind of like lessons that generally are applicable? Awesome. Thanks. Thank you for that background. And I'm sure a lot of people are very curious about what does the analytics team even do. At Meta, you touched on a few of those things, but I'm curious, what, what, how would you describe what your, your, the analytics team does, and then more specifically, what the data science team does at Meta? Right. So there's actually two data science teams at Meta. One is analytics, the much larger one. That's where I'm leading a couple of teams now. And then here you partner very closely with a product manager, engineers, user experience researchers, designers. So kind of like a whole product team. And then your 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 core job is to for that product area, let's say notifications. You want to kind of like try to figure out this this question that I was mentioning around how can you create more value for our use in the long run, and kind of like, uh, it it involves some understanding of the space, just exploratory understanding of like how people like use notifications, like what is it, something that they like about it, what is it not, analyzing surveys. And, and proactively finding these insights of where notification should go, as well as kind of like, you know, like building some prototype models. So like, like more machine learning 
And, and so this is the analytics team. Then we also have a, a core data science team, which now is called core applied science. That's independent of product. Um, it's a little bit of a smaller team. I actually started that on the team like seven or eight years ago. And uh, this team is, is doing more of like overarching data problems that every single product team faces. And so this best practices is a collaboration with some of my former teammates in the core data science team and analytics, kind of like formalizing both what core data science learned over the years, as well as kind of like, you know, analytics, the, the more product tied organization. Interesting. So, the, so the, this core applied data science team basically does research and this research can be applied to the newsfeed team, the reels team, really kind of any product team at, at Meta. Exactly. So I'll give you an example, like one of the teams, for instance, has a very nice tuning, like parameter tuning system, where you can take multiple parameters and for any problem, any team that, that needs kind of like parameter tuning problems, like how much weight to put on this parameter versus that, they can plug into this system. And it's also been open source, by the way, and they can, they can, you know, use it to, for their own objectives. Very cool. So, so you mentioned this, this project that's going to be open source eventually. Um, I believe it already has. There's some parts of it that is already kind of like available as open source. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Okay, we'll post. I'll post links for this in the show notes once once we get them. But uh, yeah, I think moving on to this this team and some of the research that you've done, I I did see this blog post that you and your colleague wrote called Four Analytics Best Practices We Adopted, We Being Meta, and Why You Should Too. And I'm curious, what was the impetus or motivation for doing this research and then also publishing it for anyone to read? Yeah, I think this is kind of going back to the the, the core underlying question that we have at this at the data science teams is how can we drive more value for our users? Um, and this this kind of like a question I feel is more like a scientific question, right? Like if we figure it out for Facebook ranking, then Instagram ranking can also use the same lessons. Obviously, there's going to be some Instagram specific differences because Instagram has a different audience, like different kind of like, you know, product, but there's some underlying science that, that unifies these. And so the idea was that given that like we've been working on this for, for years and there are just like lessons you learned during that time, right? like the things that work, the things that work less, less well, it's kind of like we're formalizing and helping people almost like leapfrog, right? That, that, that they don't have to kind of like try out all those like five things and then figure out which one they should actually launch, but they can just like try the, the, the one that, that ended up working in the other place in the first place. And then, you know, the other part, like outside meta is we do like, you know, it's more kind of like giving to the community, right? The, the, the whole tech community and data science is like such, such a new field. And so kind of like knowledge sharing is just like generally going to going to be great across the whole industry. And so, you know, like we it's it's it goes both ways, right? Like these are the lessons like we learned that like you can try to kind of like use on how how you approach these problems and what's what's really useful. And then we also kind of like take and like read the you know academic literature and when people publish at KDD and all these things. So like we take and give as well. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's been a pretty common practice for a lot of big big tech companies. You know, you have I think Apache Airflow, I think came out of I want to say was Airbnb and then like well, I think Lyft came out with some kind of open source framework and now these tools are being used by all companies all over the world. So, it's definitely a very common practice. Yeah. 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 So, digging kind of deep into this blog post, I think one thing that caught my eye was you were talking about using data to drive decision making. And mm -hmm. one of the success stories you mentioned was 
I think using AI to create this ground truth maturity framework, GTMF. And I want to see if you could dive deeper into how you create this framework, what it is, and maybe how other teams can potentially apply it to their work. Uh, yes. <clears throat> so this was uh, this was actually one of the frameworks that uh, like is driven by my ex-teammates from like, the core data science team. And so it's one of these overarching problems that they noticed that the multiple product data science teams have been like facing, which is that um, the machine learning is it's, like very common and AI is just going to grow as time goes by. And so at the heart of almost every kind of like, you know, AI model is that you need a label. You need something that the model can learn, right? Concrete examples of in newsfeed ranking, we might have a prediction model that tries to predict of like, what's the probability that you would like this post? Because we want to show you a post more that you are likely to like, or we want to predict whether this post would, you would say that this was worth your time with a higher probability, or you would click show more on this and not show less on this, like these kind of things, right? So there's just a myriad of these kind of like ideas out there of like, let's have a bit model for this and try it out, whether it ends up driving long run user value. And so what kind of like happens in each of these cases is that the label of the model that you try to learn can have different kind of like maturity in a sense. For instance, if you try to write a survey-based model, very often what happens is that there's a lot of people who love taking surveys. And then there's a lot of people who like essentially never take surveys. So if you kind of like take this label and like don't look at this part of the problem, then what ends up happening is that you build a prediction model that works really well for a subset of people, but delivers less value for another subset of the people. And so this ground truth maturity framework is essentially the framework that walks through it of what is this like checklist on the machine learning label and machine learning model that, that we should do um, to kind of like, again, maximize the user value it can drive and not, not like leave value on the table. Got it. And and then it, it looks like kind of digging deeper into the post, you use like a, another methodology called a Clara, I believe, or Clara. I'm not sure exactly what, what it stands for that help with kind of the, the labeling. Can you, is there anything else you can say more about like that example of how you use this framework? I think, yeah, that's like one of the the, the examples that I, the company also like talk about externally, and I'm sure that we can post some, some, some links to it, but that's another one where like what happens is you can have kind of like labels across various outcomes. And when you have like labels of some like rater kind of like saying that this is a like a post of like that they like let's say want to see or not want to see then you can always have like multiple labelers like label the same post and so sometimes like you want to ask two people sometimes you want to want to ask three people some posts are like very easy to label sometimes like less easy to label so part of this kind of like um, framework can also like help evaluate this of like when should when you create this 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 data set like when when do you want to kind of like use use the multiple labels and when do you want to just like have one and what's the most efficient way to kind of like get the data you need got it very cool um and then i, I think one other part of the, this this the, the research that you posted in the blog post was this notion that you can better make you can make better long run decisions when you can predict long run versus short run outcome differences. When I first heard, I was like, what does this mean? But I, I think it kind of makes sense, but I'm curious if you can just ex expand on what that takeaway was and how you arrived at that, that, that kind of finding. Right. Yeah. So in a sense, like what the, you know, the blog post kind of goes through like these, the, like some of the bigger, like ideas that's in this best practices, like one by one that, that we have 
the, the fundamental question is like even for the machine learning models how mature is the the ground truth like whether the labels we want to kind of like learn is good or we should evolve it in some way right but once that happens then you can run an experiment you try out like showing people let's say again more content that they would say is worth their time you run the experiment and then you see like you measure like some kind of measure of user satisfaction in the experiment in the long run and so one thing we found is that there are areas where if you just keep this experiment running for a, a, a very long time, so like sometimes, you know, like let's say a year, then the outcomes will can radically change. So the example that I have is that, for instance, if you were to send fewer notifications to people, you radically cut the number of notifications they receive and you try to kind of cut out the ones that they are least likely to say they want to receive. Then, then in the beginning, it seems that the experiment is not delivering user value. Users seem like less satisfied. But then you keep the same experiment running for like a year, and this statistic negative effect turns statistic positive. So the the effect can just like radically change, right? And so one of the the one of the things you need to do here is that we are a business, and obviously like we don't want to kind of like like have all the experiment ideas like run for multiple years or like multiple months. So how do you kind of like take the usual like uh, usual like amount of time an experiment runs? and try to kind of project out what would happen in this experiment in a year or so. And so for this, we have these proxies we can build based on, for instance, like a meta analyzing a bunch of experiments that have run for a long time, and then trying to find common patterns of like, what was it predicting that this experiment would be uh, like delivering less value or more value for users in the long run compared to the short run. Got it. And and I'll link to the, you, I think your team wrote another blog post about this notifications on why less is, is more actually in the yeah. long run. And uh, there's a really interesting chart, a visualization that you show of like, as time goes on, it kind of goes into the right into the, the green area. And I was curious, like, if you and the team were able to figure out, I'm not sure if this was detailed in the blog post, but figure out like, why after a certain amount of time did the long-term effects appear to be more positive? Basically the question behind the question is like, why is it that longer term with this experiment, why do you think that users were more satisfied getting notifications like longer on the time horizon? Yeah, I mean, this is like a very, very hard question to measure, but like our kind of like, you know, hypothesis has been that there is like some sense of almost kind of like there's some adjustment of people's behavior and so like that's one of the kind of like fundamental tenets of like centuries of economic research that like different time horizons like um, in the short run things always work differently because people don't have uh, an immediate way, like markets like you intervene in the market like there's short-term hits but then at the same time the market will adjust right there's new actors going to be like coming into the market like new sellers new buyers all these things and so the since they can always adjust to the new circumstance the long run outcomes can be better so i think like my hypothesis is that there's something similar going on here where like in the initial run people are used to kind of like getting a certain amount of notifications this they pay attention this they don't pay attention to like if like they, they are less interested in that but then over time if that radically changes then they can like adjust their behavior and i think the the whole idea was that notifications should be about the kind of like best of the best like we you know even before we never sent users notifications that we predicted to be not wanted but the question was that if we predicted to be like almost surely wanted or highly wanted like where do we draw the boundary right 
And so kind of like having that notification a little bit more curated for you, where you know that these are the ones that the system really judged to be the you know highest wanted. And we kind of like draw that line really high, like kind of like people learn the behavior of paying more attention to the notifications that we, we have. And then it's much less likely that they miss something that they are truly interested in. Got it. And, and it looks like you also were able to, I'm not sure if this formula was something that you created or just kind of like a general, like widely accepted formula, but you're talking about using like the proxy and getting a regression on that proxy to then use for other experiments. Was that a framework that you had already figured out for the team? What was already using, or was that something that new you learned from running these long-term experiments? No, I think it was more the latter that the, you know, when like part of the way we do data science is that we have kind of ideas, hypotheses, and then we try to kind of test it out. Some of them work, some of them don't work, right? The ones that work, like we launched to the entire Facebook or like, like, you know, all the user base. And then like when, when something works, then we try to kind of generalize it, right? So going back to this notifications launch. We have made that launch where we just like radically reduce the number of notifications we send on Facebook because it was like helping our users. But then at the same time, like there was the more general question of like beyond this one single launch, but how can we take a look at an experiment that's like day to day? And then like it might only run for like a couple of months. We cannot run it for a year because, you know, like there's there's kind of like, you know, like resource constraints as well as like if it's a bad experiment, we don't want our users to get exposed for it for a year. So how do we kind of like generalize this this launch that worked to also help on these experiments? And so the idea that we did was like very simple of just simply running this regression and essentially regarding each of the experiments that has run for a longer time as a data point, and then kind of like running a regression, um, making sure we are not overfitting, but running a regression on uh, on these experiments and finding the best working short-term proxies. Got it. Okay, very cool. I guess as a result of these the research that your team is creating, it looks like one tangible outcome was the reduction in notifications on Facebook. I'm curious if there are any, as much as you can speak to what other product decisions have been, have resulted from your team's research. I mean, fortunately, there's a lot. Like, so one of the things that I really, really like about, you know, Facebook and, or like Meta. So I'm, I'm part of the Facebook app. That's why I'm always saying Facebook, even though it's Meta now, but I'm talking about the company is that we are really data driven. So, you know, kind of classic companies before we had like um, that huge or like wealth of data that we can get insights from, right? Then, then it was a little bit kind of more intuition driven and, and that was to be honest, like the best companies could do, right? Like like a couple of decades ago. <clears throat> but today, like tech companies like Facebook, we, we can research and make more scientific decisions. So essentially, like almost every single decision that we make at Facebook day to day, like every single day, at least like in, you know, the part of the, the company that I see, like the, the, the news ranking Facebook app is that uh, is, is data driven. So, you know, it's not always going to be like groundbreaking science, but it's, but at, like we look at, there is a, a product idea that like should be even starting experimental and should we build something here? The first thing we look at is just like how many people seem to be even interested in it. If the answer is like, well, you know, like tiny, then we just say, okay, let's not build it. So the kind of day to day, the essentially, um, essentially every, every, every single decision that, that is made at the company is helped by the data that my team analyzes. 
I guess bring back to the original question that you were really interested in answering from a data science perspective was how do we focus on driving long-term value for users at Facebook? I'm curious, like today and looking into the future, are there specific questions that you and your team are interested in interested in answering? You know, I'm curious, like what what specifically are you what keeps you up at night and you know keeps you just interested in you know cranking out research on the team? Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, we have a saying at Facebook that our work is 1% done. And, uh, you know, it's like that people use it all the time for like various things. But in this case, I do feel like it it truly kind of applies that Uh data science as a field has like started like, I mean, sometime over the last decade, right? And so there is like, if you look at kind of other like scientific fields, like I, you know, my own background is again in economics. Economics has been around for like centuries and you can even find economic thought in, you know, a millennia ago. But so it's just like so new and um, the, the field is so kind of like still growing and knowledge is accumulating that I think it's just, that's, that's the part that like excites me and like why I like, I'm happy to like work on these problems every day is that like this, there's still a very, very long way to go to really figuring out like what is like, uh, what's the ultimately like the best driver of these like long run user value. I suppose like bring this back to the experiments that you're running on Facebook and, and other products. Do you foresee kind of any new ways of running experiments at Meta? Obviously these blog posts talk a lot about how you think about AV experiments and things of that nature, but I'm curious if you're thinking about any new methodologies that might impact how you do this type of research. Yeah, great question. I think the biggest theme I see over the past year or two is that like we kind of go more and more complex into like machine learning systems. Like when I started like eight years ago, like feed ranking, I mean, even then it was already like a sophisticated system. But then just like that sophistication of like how we've grown that over the past eight years has has been stunning. And just the, kind of the details of those models, like we used to do kind of like very simple gradient boosted decision trees. Now there's everything is done with neural nets that are not even focusing on the single task, but, but multitasks. And then it's, it's, it's just kind of like, you know, like much more complex and sophisticated. And so a, a bunch of the new research from both data science and like engineering has, has been going in that direction of kind of like deepening that knowledge and that funnel. And what do we do like this, uh, in multi-stage ranking? Like, do we want to kind of rank at the post level or kind of like do we want to rank a, a so-called slate of multiple posts together as like one data point in your data set is just a set of posts rather than one post? reinforcement learning, like trying to kind of like, you know, to have some of the like outcomes, like further out be predicted, heterogeneous treatment effects, kind of like for really long run effects, finding, finding the users that benefit most from, from a treatment, like these kind of things have been the theme, I think. And for these machine learning systems and neural networks, are these models that Meta has developed internally, or are you, can you speak to any open source frameworks that your team is using? There's a couple that have been open sourced and, you know, like the, uh, the, the details I'm like sharing, like we also wrote a blog post on this. So like, that's why I'm you know comfortable sharing these details. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm also like link to that. And, uh, but yeah, like it's essentially, there has been kind of like information that the company is open sourced. And again, there's also like KDD presentations, like these kind of things of more like self-contained systems 
that, that that folks go to and then you know share knowledge with the rest of the community got it yeah i'll definitely link to those those posts as well now that we're kind of nearing the end connor wanted to see if there's any other projects or topics that you wanted to talk about and kind of just share with the broader data and data science community yeah i mean so like as i said like one theme has been kind of like machine learning the other theme i i I'm think a lot about and i find kind of interesting is the you know like facebook is a social network or like there's a social graph underneath like a lot of our problems and even though obviously it has like a diversity of content but but this kind of like how how things change when you are connected to each other right compared to just like being atomistic and individualistic like that's a classic problem that we worked on for a long time and i still feel there's very interesting kind of like questions there that we need that we should understand like deeper um that you know kind of like these kind of things of there is some post that someone sees they might share it with their friends right those share those friends might find it interesting enough to reshare it with their own friends, right? So like one small kind of thing can like have like big effects on the whole network. And so <clears throat> these kind of effects I, I've always found fascinating and very interesting. And so I think like that's another area that is, you know, we're like looking into. Got it. Also, when you say curious how you said how you're curious how things are connected to each other, you're referring to like in the app when people are yeah. sharing, liking, all that commenting, right. all that kind of stuff, how that like, can lead to like a ripple effect, essentially. Right, right. Or like like friends, like the people are friends with each other, or mm -hmm. like they follow a page, right? Or they are part of the same group. Like a lot of the kind of unconnected recommendation systems are like built on a lot of it is like collaborative filtering. And then, you know, like collaborative filtering coupled with the friend network that we can actually not just kind of show you content that people similar to you that the system finds have kind of like, you know, found interesting, but we can also take into account of like generally the friend network that you have, like, like our, our, our update those kind of posts because they are probably even more interesting to you. So these kind of things. Yeah. When you, I'm not familiar with the term, when you said collaborative filtering, what is that exactly? Oh, it's more just the, the kind of like underlying technology and the recommendation systems where if, if you have, let's say like a couple hundred friends, then for ranking that content, we, we can just like look at all of the content and then figure out which one we predict you would be most interested in. But then when we have the unconnected recommendation systems and so kind of posts that we recommend to you because you might be interested in, but you haven't necessarily followed this page or befriended this person, right? So that system, if you think about it, any single post on Facebook that has like high integrity, high quality is eligible for, for someone to see. So it's, 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 it's a huge number of posts compared to like how many friend posts you have. And so to kind of like figure out like which ones we should even kind of like consider out of this like gigantic like sea of posts, we can do, do kind of like an embedding space, which essentially what it does is this like the collaborative filtering of trying to find posts that users who have kind of like been kind of like showing similar interests as you, they have seen this post and they, they actually really enjoyed it. They, they have some signal on that it really was interesting to them. And then we can kind of show you similar posts. Okay, that makes sense. I guess kind of wrapping up here, kind of broadening this back up to the community. One one question I always kind of tend, tend to ask all the, the guests is, you know, if you're thinking about, if you're a college student trying to get into the world of data, data analytics, data science, or if you're trying to transition your career into a career in data, if you have any advice or recommendations for folks, just curious to get your thoughts coming from working at a big company like Meta. 
Uh, yeah, no, great question. <clears throat> I mean, obviously, it is a hard time in the industry, and I, I'm sure things will, you know, get better over time. So, like, I know a lot of companies have, you know, like layoffs, and it's like a little bit harder to kind of like find interesting roles than than a couple of years ago. But I really hope that that won't discourage people because, again, I do feel that this, like, again, data science is a new field. It's a, a field that, as the as tech spreads around the world, right. It's just going to be more and more important and kind of like we are building some of the foundations of this field. So if, if folks are interested in this like area, even if there's like fewer jobs than a couple of years ago, I do, I do think uh, like things will like, uh, you know, open up and there will be better times in a couple of years. So like my first advice to people would be like hanging there, even if like there's like a, maybe like it's a little bit harder to find, find a role and then build your skills. Like the, the, you know, this is why we have this like analytics series we have a medium site for the whole analytics, kind of like learn learn some of the, the foundations that people are already like laying. And so you can build on it when you come into the field. And then maybe one more concrete thing is that I do think there is like, you know, this obviously there's the wave of generative AI. I think the part that I'm most excited about that there is not as much the generative side, but more like the generic AI. Like I do see machine learning, the power of machine learning to really make things better for people across the world, not just the tech companies, but in general, right? Like kind of like being able to like better predict what is valuable to to to, to someone is just so powerful. <clears throat> so kind of like broadening your skills and getting the latest and greatest on these AI models is I think like the other skill that that I would really invest into. Yeah, that's I think that's great advice. Moving away from the generative hot. AI to just the more generic AI. That's a really great recommendation. Well, I mean, generative AI is also cool, but I do yeah. feel that, like, <laughs> I, I, I feel that, you know, it's a little bit of a, the kind of cool, cool kid on the block, but the real deal is that there is, there is a machine learning revolution, I think. And, and that's like a wave that's going to play out over the next decades. Sure. Right. Well, Akash, thank you so much for your time. You've been very generous and we'll definitely include all the links to the the, the research that your team has posted on Medium and really appreciate your time. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you, Al. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Mm-hmm.